Okay, welcome back to part two of the November podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to part one yet, you've missed out on us reflecting on everything that's happened since October. Um, and look at Elijah Adebayo and Calne Smith in more detail. Now we're going to talk about some current issues and some, well, we're going to look into the future as well. Current issues, though. I'm sure you two knew that we're two games away from uh, Nathan Jones's 250th game as a Luton manager. And now that Barcelona have got a new manager, I think we can safely say he's going to get there. Um, so James, 248 games over two spells. I've actually got the statistics uh, for his time in charge. Obviously not my statistics, the Simon Pitts's. But mm-hmm. in that time, he's won 117 games, drawn 68 and lost 63. So he's got a pretty good win um, ratio. How are we reflecting on his time in charge so far? What, what Have you got the stats of what his ratio is compared to other managers? I, I don't actually. Those, I only have his one. Yeah. But I know that his first spell win ratio is 51.1% league games, this is. Second spell is down to 375 but obviously uh, the start of that was um, the great escape season and things like that. Overall, he's got 48.4% win ratio. Still pretty impressive, isn't it? Um, championship. I think it was, mar- from memory, I think it was just marginally over 50% anyway, wasn't it? Um, <clears throat> 117 out of 248 in all com- in all competitions. So a shade under 50% in all competitions. Yeah. Well, you've just got to look at what he's done uh, ever since he stepped through the door. Um, the first time he, he got... Luton playing a brand of football that was thrilling. He laid the foundations for back-to-back promotions, albeit it wasn't there for the second half of the League One. And he's come in, stabilised the club when it needed to. Well, performed a miracle, let's be honest. To keep them in the championship, stabilised them at their best finish for 20-plus years. And now looking like the team are going to push on from that as well. Um and they're getting back to that sort of brand of football that was so thrilling. You know, when you, if you, if you look at the Millwall performance in particular, um, it's, uh, it, everything's on the up and up with him. Uh, and I, I did like actually that, uh, the Stoke game so little was made of, of, uh, him going there because it's, there's so much water under the bridge now. It doesn't really matter. Um, the best thing that probably could have happened for his return was that the fans weren't there to start with because he would have probably got a rough ride. But the fact that every achievement that he's made so far to get Luton to where they are um, and the last couple of wins at Kenilworth Road <clears throat> where he's got back to celebrating in front of the fans and the fans reciprocating shows that everything's back on, on track now, isn't it? So um, he just gets Luton. <laughs> he just gets Luton. Luton works for him. He's learned a massive lesson, which I think will benefit Luton. Is benefiting Luton, um, and everything. Everything seems rosy at the minute. Uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Uh, obviously, it kind of fits in well, really, doesn't it, Tony? That uh, Nottingham Forest's two hundred fiftieth game in charge, assuming nothing happens uh, during the QPR game or ahead of the QPR game. It kind of fits in well that. Um, 
his 250th game in charge, Tony's Nottingham Forest away, assuming nothing happens ahead of or during the QPR game to uh, stop him managing in that game. Uh, it fits in well because he had to meet the manager evening on Monday, which he was in really, really good form, um, which he, he usually is, although I do know that he's been kind of nervous about facing the fans uh, like that since he came back. But realistically, after we beat Blackburn in the Great Escape, was that all put to bed then? Yeah, I, I, for the majority of supporters, I think I, I know there's one or two of them out there that won't forgive him for it. But they must be great at parties, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree with James. What he said, he gets Luton. He's good for Luton. Every season he's been with us, we've finished higher. Um, as we'll come on to later, he's made some great signings for us. Uh, he's brought some money into the club. Uh, more power to his elbow and I'm firmly convinced that um, if he hadn't come on board I mean granted this is with the benefit of hindsight I I think we'd have gone down you know uh, I I don't think there was many um, managers that could have motivated the players to to produce the performances and the run that they did Um, he definitely can motivate the team and the player. You know, there's an old saying saying that they run through brick walls for him, but it is like that. And I, and I know that um, the reaction the players gave when he was introduced as Luton's new manager um, made a, a hell of a difference. Um, so I, I think all round it's been a, a great decision for both parties. I think he's learnt from it. Um, you know, it, nobody would have begrudged him the opportunity to go to a, a, a championship side at the, at the time uh, with a bigger budget. Uh, as we've always said, it's just it was the way it was done. But he has learned from that. And and to be honest with you, I think he's he's returned to us as a better manager. He's learned from it, and and we're getting the benefit of that experience now. So. Um, hopefully uh, there'll be another 250 games to come yeah I mean we're lucky aren't we James because football's all about results of course it is you know you saw that with Stoke on Saturday but actually we get results and we get entertained at the same time under Nathan Jones and you know sometimes you can take that for granted a little bit but it, 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 they do come hand in hand, don't they? You know, the, there is an entertainment about his size. And obviously when he needs to be pragmatic and, you know, like last season when we were fighting one nil wins and things and he could do that. But the overall emphasis is on entertaining, isn't it? Well, just look at Stoke. <laughs> look at Stoke now and what they had to do to Luton to come and win a football game. And I, I'll get, you know, I get the social media keyboard warriors. They're going, yeah, but we won the game. So that's all important. Ultimately, yes. Oh, there were plenty of them. As Ultimately, well. <laughs> yes, you are correct. You won a football game and, and that's the main thing. But no, no uh, Luton fan that have been treated to the football that they've been treated to for the majority of the last five years would want to watch that shite every week. No. They just wouldn't tolerate it. And I don't know how this, uh, uh, I know I still tolerated it because they had to suffer it under two independence, but they thought they, because they were in the Premier League, that they thought that was all golden. Um, you know, Stoke are one of the teams that Luton would be in and around on a fraction of the budget playing better football, ultimately. And I know which team I'd rather watch. Um, and that, and, and that all comes in from, from Nathan Jones, you know, um, 
everybody knows what a good job, job John Steele did mm. to get him out of the championship, but mm. they were floundering uh, when he left. So he's, he's changed the culture of the club, basically. It certainly took a little while for the chest thumping to come out, didn't it? Yeah, but um, when it did and it came back, everybody was on board with that thing, yeah. apart from, you know, the one or two mates you were, yeah. or people that you were talking about. And the best thing about his return is the return of that song. It's, it's starting to get sung again, isn't it, as well, we're dreaming exactly. of the Premier League. And, and it wasn't, it, we all love that song. It was only we? a couple of weeks ago where they uh, that got put out on social media again, uh, mm. this, the, you know, the Notts County um the Notts County serenade that went on forever and it was one of the best days of uh, my life. Which they've done actually attributed to, uh, at the meet the manager when he was asked of his favourite looting game. Yeah. He said, um, beating Watford, obviously he still knows how to play the crowd. Same <laughs> as Keenan Dewsbury Hall, uh, knew how to play the crowd against Middlesbrough. Uh, he said the Blackburn win against, uh, uh, to stay up. And then he said the Notts County, um, the, the Notts County it, afternoon that day was still one of my favourite afternoons as different well. Different level that day. It was unbelievable. For a nil-nil draw as yeah. well. <laughs> He's certainly given, given us um, some entertainment and he's certainly given us some good times and he, he he's given us things to be proud of, you know, what we've achieved. Um, and he's fit into everything, isn't he? Because yeah. we've had previous entertaining sides, I'm thinking the Mike Newell side in particular, but there was a cloud hanging over that team that in no way was that sustainable financially. Um, it, you know, it was teetering on the edge of disaster, but this one is is completely sustainable. Well, and they're surpassing that team now. I mean, they surpassed them last season yeah, with the right. points tally, and yeah. they will do so again that, and with little sign of the shitstorm that was to well, come I mean, with that, that, that scenario. That new team only did two seasons in the championship. You say we've surpassed that. We're now on our third and, you know, hopefully there'll be quite a few more to come and we can get up higher. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, Tony, every season he's been here, we finished higher. We're looking on course to do that. Obviously, we don't want to tempt fate, but we're looking on course to do that again this season. So really, 248 games that we're in enormously um grateful for and like you said tony hopefully there's another 250 and um i think he's the man to lead us into power court isn't he i think he's uh, you know the, the vision is very he's very much behind the vision and um you know like he said on monday night the dream is to be playing premier league football in power court and Oh, I'd love to play Premier League football at Kenilworth Road. That'd be great, just to see some of them <laughs> Premier League sides coming down in those facilities. You know, it, it would. Um, but you know, he's, he's going to lead us into power court, isn't he? Yeah. And um, yeah, huge um, credit to the gaffer then. Um, and I hope that we get the result that uh, 250 games deserves at Nottingham Forest. And I'll get the boys to preview that game a little later. But I'm not going to let you go um, from the Nathan Jones bit without asking you a question. He was asked on the night on Monday night and meet the manager who his best value signing was now I'm not going to ask you one that difficult he seems to have a loving with Jordan Clark which you know that's between them and that's absolutely fine um, I'll ask you two who his best signing has been now you can you can interpret that in value if you want or you can interpret that in importance I'll leave that completely up to you um, but James you've had some time to think about it who is Nathan Jones's best signing at Luton Town <clears throat> It's a really tricky one, and I've the cast got, list is deep. It is deep, but I've gone, I've gone between two, 
and I can't separate them really. It it was the signing of Danny Hilton and then the signing of James Collins. Just, That's who I was yeah. going to sign. <laughs> Sorry to steal your thunder. Well, if you'd, if you'd spoken to each other beforehand, you could have had one each, couldn't you? Yeah. Uh, it just it just changed Luton into a far more ferocious force and um, potent force. Um, you know, and when when you know Danny was the start of that, obviously, and Nathan has always said that he was a championship striker playing in League Two, and he got them up to. League One, and then Carlo came in, and when and you know Hilton had his injury problems, he he took the mantle, and was you know just been the top scorer for the last four seasons, and he said, um, there is a lot of candidates, and I think you've got a very good case to say that say Elijah is on his way to that, but he's not there yet. It's those two players for me. So we know yours, then Tony. Why are they? Why are they for you? Because I, 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 I think the the way those players have acted as a catalyst for those around them, they certainly made the players that were there that better. And I mean, um, Danny Hilton came in and, and, and he just gave us that extra dimension. Um, you know, he certainly added to the shithousery value as well of the, of the side. He's setting that through the roof, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You, you, you know, for me, Daniel, Even against Middlesbrough, when he yeah. came off 10 minutes, he just knew he was going to wind someone up, and lo and behold, in the corner, he yeah. did do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, James Collins, again, because when he signed every single season, he finished the four years he was with us, he, he finished top scorer every season. Um, I suppose if you're going to sign for a new club you you score a hat-trick on your debut you're you're not doing bad to announce your arrival are you? I mean still didn't earn him a song though did it? uh, (laughs) I mean I like to thought one it's been far more um, people have mentioned and and success rather than failures I mean if you look back right from Alan Sheehan um, Glenn Ray as well to be fair um, he's put in and then you've got the likes of Alan McCormack Sonny Bradley you know even Tom Lockyer as well has looked good so there, there are so many candidates there that have done and Luke Berry's another one you know um, and he, he he certainly adds something to us because I, I think if it hadn't been for Nathan um, I think quite a few of those players wouldn't have signed for us yeah you know yeah, we, 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 we can't you know, we can't pay the wages that other clubs can. So at least with these players that come in and, and you can look at them and think, you know, they they could have commanded much better wages than we can play. So at least you know they're coming in for the right reason and it's not just for the, for the money. Um, but I think in terms of um, what we've been achieved and uh, how they've galvanised us, it, 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 I would actually rate... Excuse me, I would actually rate Danny Hilton above James Collins, but Collins has has, has been the one. And, and you know, there's, there's some. It's hard to put your finger on with Danny Hilton because if you just look at it, I don't think I've had, I've seen a player who's inspired the the the, the love and um, goodwill from supporters not since the likes of Ricky Hill or or Mick Harford 
when they play Kevin Nichols, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's um, just a bit of a character, isn't he? You but know, yeah, but I, whatever I, you want to say about Colo, he's a great goal scorer. Yeah. But he's very uh, and calm and collected a and doesn't give that away, yeah. You know, consummate professional. You relate to Danny as a joker and yeah. a great footballer, but you relate to the kind of... But the but, way he played football as well, I mean, he scored lots of goals as well, but the way he linked up play and yeah. he had a little trick and a turn of pace, he's frightened uh, he frightened but defenders. do you know what I also see with Danny Hilton I think Hilton actually mirrors the Luton Town supporter base as well you know uh, how they are how we play it's great to see a player who actually plays with a smile yet on his face like he does but yeah he's done some stupid things on the pitch mm. uh, but he put his hand up to it but you know you look at look at Danny I think he, he, he's played for quite a few clubs in his career but I think he's an out-and-out out hatter now. I, re- I really yeah, do. Yeah, he said so I, himself. I, yeah, yeah, he's a hatter. You know, and yet I don't know if you saw that video when uh, he found out he'd got the new contract and he was he was over the moon, wasn't he? You know, and I, I think certainly with OK, he's, he's not getting in the side probably like how he'd want to, but I think he's one of those characters that it's worthwhile keeping around in the squad just for... The effect he has on 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 the rest of the players, you know, he certainly mm. is a gun, and that's one of the reasons I think that Pelly's there because he's like that, you know. Well, Danny will know how well Elijah's playing when he he yeah. he'll know that there's no way in ahead of him. But Danny's quest is to get ahead of Jerome, I guess, and by virtue of the fact that he came on against Middlesbrough before Jerome, maybe he's done it. And obviously, I'm sure we're all glad that Danny scored in the Championship at, at Bristol City, not just because it earned a, a deserved point, but I, I, also I because it put to bed, you know that he can score at that level. Because, and I think Nathan Jones was right, he said that the game at Newcastle, he said Danny Hilton showed then that he's got the qualities to be, uh, he is a championship striker. And I, 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 I feel for Danny because he's been very unlucky with injuries. And, and you know, he's come in and he, he, he's on the, the sidelines. And it, it is difficult to get back into the side with the, the amount of... Um, Athleticism and younger players that there are there, but again, I think it's gonna. It, 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 it's one of those things where you've got a player like him, like Jerome, to pass on that experience to the younger players. And uh, it's uh, what I, I was going to say as well. It, isn't it great to see some of the ex-players coming back in coaching capacities as well? It really is. Actually, we'll yeah. touch on that next month. Maybe we'll yeah. get a chance to um... with uh, Danny, uh, chief uh, shithousery coach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well I mean, you know, we've mentioned Sheehan throughout this podcast. Yeah. I think, I think we're all expecting him to be the next sort of, yeah, it's the next one named, but it's great to have Macca back, Pilks as well, and, uh, yeah. they'll do good. Yeah, we'll do a bit on the academy uh, in the next podcast, actually. Um, but we'll move on to ticket prices so that I don't have to give you my, um, best signing from Nathan Jones. Um, I think you no, should. Come on, I think you oh. should. Yeah, come on. <laughs> well, amazingly, Tone, you named, I think I counted, you named eight players and you still didn't name the one that I think it is. So, Kieran Dewsbury No, no, no. I th- for me, it's Jack Stacey. He embodied everything that mm. we had uh, yeah. in that League yeah, Two Stacey, side. Yeah. He earned us a shitload of coin when he went to um, Bournemouth. And really for the season afterwards and possibly until Amari Bell came in and James Bree came and hit the ground running, we were still scrambling for his replacement. So um, It's certainly been very difficult to replace both those fullbacks. Yeah. 
you know, Jack Stacey, we knew about him in League Two, didn't we? He played for Exeter against us in the, uh, we both lost in the playoff semi-finals that year, but he was brilliant. I mean, the League One was basically shinny to Stacey to Collins, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it, that, that got us promoted sort of thing. And, uh, underrated fullback, delighted he's doing well for Bournemouth. And, um, yeah, for me, he's, he, he's the best signing Nathan Jones made just because of everything he brought to us and the impact that his absence afterwards um, contributed to, you know, in the championship. As I say, it took two seasons to replace him, really. It's a very specialist position, isn't it, really, um, to, to try if and play. If we've ever replaced him. I mean, Bruce yeah. get in there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're closer than we've been since they left yeah. with the fullbacks now. Not the last game, they were rubbish, but, uh, you know, that's the consistently aspect. But that was but, the thing, wasn't it? I mean, you, there wasn't a game where Jack Stacey's crossing was terrible because he's just got so much composure in those areas that... He just passed the ball in. I mean, obviously, most of the time it was into James Collins, but whoever it was to, he just passed it into. And it's like, I think Shinny said, didn't he, when he left, it was, where's, where's that flash of orange going to be going out on my outside now? You know, oh, yeah. it's, um, you know, I, f- for the fact that we signed him for next to nothing, possibly even nothing, my memory's not that great. I think it was a free transfer. And then we sold him for millions. Yeah. We're still going to make millions when he goes again, and he probably will go again with the form he's showing for, Middle- uh, for Bournemouth. For me, he's, he's the best signing Nathan's made, but like you... That's uh, a good shout. Yeah, it's a good shout. Yeah. Like you, though, James, I don't think it's going to be too long before Elijah Adebayo uh, snaps up the number one spot with that regard. And that's not any slant on Jordan Clark. He's a great player. Of course he is. Uh, but I think some of this free transfer, best free transfer ever, there's a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek about well, c- that. Considering most of the time into tree, tree transfers, yeah. if anyone has a good season, Particularly as um, the fact that a certain Lionel Messi was a free transfer not so long ago. Yeah, I thought it was funny, actually, that he said Lionel Messi wouldn't get Luton the other night, which was probably right, actually. So mm. so it's very much a League Two thing for the best signings um, Nathan Jones has made as far as his podcast is concerned. Uh, hit us on Twitter, Facebook, or reply to wherever you've downloaded this. We'd love to hear who you think your best signings are. And I mean, there's no right answer. That's the beauty of it. No. The castle is so deep. There's no right answer. You can make a case for, well, Tony made a case for eight and still didn't include Stacey. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there is absolutely plenty. And, you know, no, nobody's mentioned Harry Cornick in that. So it's, it, it's, um, well, I think he'd be in the same bracket as Elijah, um, just for this season. Cause he had a great season two seasons ago although his his stats were great and his assists were great last season he didn't hit the heights so you thought he would didn't quite progress and this season he's now kicked on again so I think it's um, it's a it, you have to judge it from not the entire career that he's had he's now he's starting to kick on and be the player that we hoped he would be so yeah. he's probably in the same bracket as Elijah no that's that's a that's a very fair call but you know it just goes to show how many great players Nathan's um, signed in those five years that he's been in charge four or five years uh, however long it is ticket prices this is becoming a bit of a bugbear within football fans Tony because quite frankly they're getting ludicrous now we're obviously going to select QPR off here and yeah. you know that's fair dinkum but we should also state that Luton's ticket prices are bordering on extreme albeit with the caveat that our grounds you can't even shake a cat around so we've got to obviously maximise the seats that are in place that's not the case with QPR 34 quid right, it's just for a game of English second tier football 
that's on television on a Friday night, was there not a part, given that they've been funded by Sky for the game, was there not a bit of goodwill that could have come by just taking the ticket prices down a little bit? Definitely. I mean, obviously um, they know it's going to sell out in the Luton end. And that's yeah, why they're yeah. so high. I get. I understand all the business elements to it before everyone comes at me. It's but still, ultimately, if Luton get promoted next season, there's a cap on away prices to 20 quid. So we're actually out of pocket by being in the championship as football fans. And that can't be right. Totally. Um, I think it's exploitation, to be honest with you. I mean, it's bad enough that the game has been switched to a Friday night because uh, a, a Saturday game at QPR is a good day out. Um, so it it, 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 it's a double whammy all round for supporters, you know. Um, Friday night is going to be difficult to get to, um, the ground, you know, people going home, rush hour and everything else like that. But also, um, train times later on with supporters getting home and, and then on to capital, £34. It's just excessive. It's just That's for the unrestricted view. There's about yeah. six seats of in the away end at Loftus Road, which is unrestricted. <laughs> 31 quid for a semi-restricted view seat, yeah. which I've been informed by the ticket office means you've just got to lean over if you want to see the goal below you. Well, I mean, 31 quid and you can't even sit back in your seat. I know. It's, it's, it's crazy. And I, I, I just... You know, I despair at times. Um, and as you say, £20 in the Premiership for a top-flight football for an away fan, it, it should apply in the Championship as well. It I mean, really to be should. fair to West Brom, that's what we paid to go to West Brom. First yeah. game in the Championship, 20 quid. However, on the flip side of that, so that we're not just slagging off QPR, had the pandemic not came along when it did and we actually went to Leeds away, we'd have been paying 37 quid for that. Oof. You know, it's, you know, you can suddenly find out why I'm going to be your sort of sidekick in a press box yeah. if this continues much longer. <laughs> no, I haven't even got thing. that. I haven't even got that. No. And I reckon I'll be brilliant as well. But, you know. No, but you are older, so you can sometimes get cash off that way yeah. in a few years' time. So, you know, the other side of the about, I might not be around <laughs> no, you'll be around. You'll be around. You'll, you'll do everything you can to be around for power core. You've got, oh, you've God, come yeah. this far, you'll be around. <laughs> it, it's, it's extreme, though, James, isn't it? And like, I, I like the word Tony used there. It's exploitation. Mm. It is exploitation. Um, yeah. Particularly because I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga, I have to admit, they, their kick-off times clash with Luton games. But I did catch a Bayern Munich game on Friday night and they were very big on their ticket prices. The, and then I saw a quote from the Bayern Munich president or whatever their equivalent terminology is for managing director or whatever. He said, why would I want to charge my fans season ticket money, £400 for a season ticket instead of £200 that we do charge? That's going to be a difference of £4 million quid. What's £4 million quid in football these days? Yeah. Which I thought kind a, of hit home, really. Well, that's, that's a that, top-flight German club, though, isn't it? It is. It but is. That's that's the difference between a um, footballing culture that have got it right to ours, which is you know, every man for himself, grab all you can. It, it's yeah. I mean, it's, that is a lot of money just to go down the road, really. Basically, isn't it? Um, that's the the kind of good thing that it's you know it's not thirty-four quid and then. 50 quid of fuel to go to Middlesbrough or something like that. You know, it's still 25 no, quid on the train, but it's, it's quite a lot of money for the, for the fuel you're going to stick down your neck though, isn't it? In London. Well, there is <laughs> the that. evils of capitalism, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly yeah. that. I mean, I don't know why they do that. I mean, to play devil's advocate, does it show that they see Luton as a, as a, a big rival now? Maybe. 
Yeah. But they know full well that Luton will sell it out, will sell out and bring their full, you know, buy their full um, quota. And 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 it, they've just looked at it as an opportunity. Here's a chance to make some some cash. And but they've got uh, it, they've got a, money. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, it comes back to what you said about the Bayern Munich guy. I mean, what's what's the extra bit of cash to them? They've got loads of money. I mean, Luton have got two thousand eight hundred tickets for the game. Mm. So even if you took the thirty four down to twenty five, so nine pounds worth of call it three thousand is twenty seven grand. Yeah. That's no, that's nothing to keep you. And up. how much do they get for the uh, TV? Underground for the TV game. Exactly. So, you know, when you look at it like that, really just the numbers front, it is exactly what you just said, Tony. It's ex- exploitation. It's scandalous, really. It is. And it, you know, the, uh, the football supporter gets shafted every single way, which is, you know, uh, the Tracy Crouch, Crouch report needs further backing and, 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 you know, because, uh, certainly since Guy have been involved with it, when they move the f- kickoffs around and they move them to late on a Sunday or whatever, and it's, it, it's so hard for supporters. And I think that the, the past two seasons have proven that football is nothing without supporters in the ground, home and away. Um, and, and they're the last people that are consulted. You know, they're not consulted, I, are they? You know, exactly. And, and you tell me any other industry that doesn't take any notice of its paying customers, yeah. because any other industry, if they don't, they're dead. Yeah. They're dead. You know, and 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 because it, they trade on um, their supporters' loyalty. Because the thing is, you know, unless you're some poor of idiot or or Johnny come lately, you don't change a football club. No. You know, good or bad, you, you know, un, un, unless you, you know, you're the current uh, fashionable trend at the top of the Premier League. You know, you're, I, I've known people who won one season at Chelsea, the next, like, even going back to Blackburn, they change their clubs or whatever, right. and I've got no time for them. But um, it, it, it purely is, it, it's exploitation of a captive audience, and uh, it, it's wrong, it's bad, it's wrong. And yeah, it's got it abs- to stop. It abs- it's got to stop. It absolutely is. And actually, if you look at it, Luton fans are going to be paying 20 quid when we go to Coventry on New Year's Day. Now, I know you wouldn't pay 20 quid because you get soaked in the press box, James, but <laughs> it isn't actually um, that bad in the away end. Um, Luton fans are going to pay 20 quid at Coventry because the two clubs done a reciprocal deal. Coventry paid 20 quid when they came to us. And I think 20 quid's a fair price. So but it just shows, though, that with a little bit of common sense and a little bit of... Um, acceptance of supporters that it can be done because we'll have given up money to give Coventry their whatever they get 1200 for 20 quid but at, but they're acting in the best interests of football and supporters yeah. and so Luton will reciprocate whereas QPR probably didn't even enter into a dialogue no, exactly, with that yeah. and so Luton won't either and actually QPR probably had more entitlement to do that because they were already 100 bags up before the ball was kicked because of the Sky TV money. Yeah. And, and it's not just a Sky thing. I watched the FA Cup game on Sunday on ITV. 12-15 kickoff, Sheffield Wednesday v Plymouth. Mm. I mean, hello. Yeah. You know, journey, I, I tried to work out what time they had to leave, but <laughs> yeah. I couldn't. But you're, you're looking uh, at 3 or 4 a.m. if yeah. you're going to get there. It's time for a pint or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and it, it would be very easy for Luton to turn around and say, OK, you're charging our supporters 34 quid. We'll do the same. 
Yeah. But that doesn't make it right either. It doesn't because make that's it right. not fair on the QPR supports because it's not their decision. No, exactly right. That's it. You know, and, and it, it no is, one it wins is totally from wrong. this other than the QPR purse strings. And it doesn't seem like, you know, I mean, basically all we're doing is paying Andre Gray's loan fee for a. So the they've just forked out however many million for him to go there. They don't. They're not short of you, Bob. No, no, no. Definitely no. not short. Short of cash. Are they? That's the annoying thing. I mean, I personally think thirty quid's on the extreme for an mm. away for a fame. But I, I'd some. I can accept it if I'm going to a really nice ground. No offense to Loftus Road. It's it's, it's old school and it's it's got that charm that Kenilworth Road's got to it. But it's not a nice ground, particularly in the oh, away oh, end. Also, you, bloody lose there all the time. Yeah, particularly in the away end where you can't see the goal below you if you're too far back. And um, you know, thirty-four quid. Yeah, you just if they've got a cap of twenty quid in the Premier League, I understand that Championship clubs haven't got Premier League money, but twenty-five quid for an away fan's more than enough, yeah. isn't it? Surely everyone can live but, on but twenty-five quid. To be honest quid. with you, Kev, it's not just the ticket prices, is it? it, it it's the price of food. Yeah. When you get in there, and 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 the price if you want to drink, well, it's the price. Of, it's the price of everything. It's the price of what you're paying the players as well. I Maybe mean, you should cut the cloth a bit more accordingly in that division. To um, you know, the people that support you in that division are not fly-by-night fans from Saudi Arabia or whatever. You know, cashing in on the fact that every game's televised. They're they're mostly local fans, aren't they, to that club? Well, I mean, the ironic thing is the club in this division who need the money the most right now are Derby County. Yeah, charged twenty-four quid for Luton fans that night. But I think all round, I think we're in acceptance that thirty-four quid for second-tier football. You know, you can knock that on the head if it's you don't. Yeah, if you don't it's mind. Please, and as I say, we charge thirty-two quid for category A games. We're not, exempt which is wrong as well. Yeah, we're not exempt from criticism in this one no, shape. I'm not saying we are one little bit, um, but ultimately our ground is half the size of QPRs. So that's how it is. Um, speaking of QPR, then lads, it's, it's the next game on the uh, on the horizon. Friday night now, television. At least we haven't got none of that. We never win on television bollocks <laughs> after the yeah. um, after the Middlesbrough game. You just alluded to it there, James. We never win at Loftus Road, Kai and Prince Foundation Stadium, whatever uh, term you want to use. But we weren't that bad on the last day of last season, actually. We fizzled out in the second half. But yeah. whilst Kieran and Dewsbury Hall was doing his thing, we we certainly looked a match for them. Uh, and this is a deep, this is a much better squad now than what we went to with that day, even allowing for the fact that Kieran's not here. So. In essence, is there a chance? Well, there is now in the fact that <clears throat> I don't think you need to be scared of any teams in this division. The only um, thing that Luton have come up against is feeling a bit flat. But after two weeks of the international break, not having that, jumping into a Friday night under the lights, maybe Sonny Bradley's fancying it a bit as well. <laughs> We're basically 1-0 <clears throat> up before we start, because he always <laughs> scores in front of the cameras. <laughs> Um, they're they're a good side though. QPR. Whenever they seem to play Luton, I don't, obviously I don't watch them every week or see what they do, but they just and seem to turn. They've got a few on. games unbeaten. Yeah. Well, they're only two points above us though, yeah. and you're right. They are a good side. I've watched them a, a few times because they've had a lot of Friday night games. Sky yeah. seem to love them. I guess just around the corner from where they're based. Um, but for all that they're good, they're only two points. But I mean, if we if we beat them, we do go above them. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, they've played Miserable and Stoke uh, last two games. Uh, before those two fixtures, Luton were in between both of them. Um, and they beat Miserable quite convincingly. And Stoke was just a shocking game of football. 
which got edged out by both teams had one chance. They scored doing it at the bar. That was the story of the match really, wasn't it? So yeah, those are the teams uh, in and around Luton that they, that Luton deserve to be around. So, you know, and probably they're the teams that you've got to try and take points off to progress this season. But also, and it was a question I asked Nathan in the last uh, pretty much press conference uh, before the Stoke game. When you're coming up against these teams that are in and around you, like Middlesbrough and Stoke were, is it a case of um, viewing those teams as the sort of benchmark of how far that you've progressed in the same way that he said that about Millwall, because they'd been shocking against Millwall mm. for the last couple of seasons. And they went over there and they turned them over. Um, and I think that's probably the way you've got to view it, really. That if, if you're going on progression, and I don't think it's going to be huge progression that they jump so high and they'll be like the very top echelon division, but they finished uh, 10th, 11th, come on, 10th, 12th, 12th. <laughs> To finish high above that, it's just marginal gains, and it's keep going above that. You've got to beat those teams in and around you, and those are the teams now that you are looking to beat. It's not the bottom of the, t- the bottom of the table teams anymore, and that's quite an exciting prospect. So yeah, um, you know, given the fact that they've had a bit of a break, um, and they tend to bounce bounce back after a defeat. Um, I'll go for a draw. <laughs> I mean, we, do, we do actually seem to come out of international breaks quite ordinary, though. I mean, that, that is a thing. We never seem to get a lot of luck against QPR, but believe it or not, Kev, I have seen us win down there three times. Right. Well, that's encouraging. I have never seen us win down there. Really. Two, or at least if, on, on the first game on, on plastic. I saw, us, I, was there. I saw us win 3-2 there as well. Steve Elliott scored for us. And I've also seen us win 1-0 when Paul... Uh, Paul Elliott scored for us as well. Yeah, that, that was back in the eighties. They're so. well before my time, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I was going to say I can't remember if, if it's it, happened. It, it, I'm sure they, I would have remembered it. We just never seem to have any luck against QPR. No. They, they seem to get the run of the ball and the breaks. And well, also, but, we don't always due for a change. So. It is. Yeah, we don't always turn up. I mean, last time we were there with fans in, we were three 0 down before you. Yeah. Had a chance to finish your pint. It was yeah. like, you know. Well, we fought back well. We did, yeah. Andre Gray, last time we saw him, he was celebrating in front of a linesman who was waving his flag at him. <laughs> what kind of um, reception is he getting next Friday? It's hard to judge. I, I, to be honest with you, I think we've. I, I, I thought we'd gone past the Andre Gray thing, but. Not after that, that, that celebration. No, not after no, that celebration. No. I just was it just because it was against them, though? Maybe it's. No, it's he, he, I or think because he, of his celebration. he was heading for the, the dugout uh, uh, over to the side there, and, and and I think that was it was just a bit too over the top, wasn't it? And uh, I don't think he'll get a particularly good one. He, he's not, he, I don't think he's doing that well for him at the moment, is he? He's not. He's not banging the goals in, is he? Don't so, say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he does have a good record against us, though. When he does come back and play against us, although thankfully yeah. the linesman's flag put paid to that yeah. uh, against um, well against them on April the seventeenth. It's a tough game, isn't it? QPR yeah. is. It's always a tough game. Actually, if we looked at the following game in the last podcast, Nottingham Forest away, we'd probably really been really confident of winning that because yeah. they were in all sorts of trouble but, but they're improving now they've got yeah. Steve Cooper in and they are flying and that's that's a proper tough proposition yeah it is he's um, well 
from his time at Swansea, Luton didn't get much change out of him, did he? Um, always lost one nil at Kenilworth Road, didn't we? You seem yeah. to always miss them games, so um, yeah, <laughs> you, you you kind of did well, and then away from home, it was even worse, wasn't it? Yeah, um, apart from the Great Escape, the nine games from the Great Escape. But I mean, Forest have been like struggling for a couple of seasons now, and and it, you know potentially. If you want to be optimistic about it, it could be a new manager bounce, but one that maybe doesn't last long because they've still got the same players and they haven't had a January transfer window to mix it up a bit. Mm. So it could be that. Um, and, you know, it's one of those really great grounds that you'd want to go and perform well at. It's great ground to go as a fan as well. It's yeah. one of those away games last season. Irrelevant, irrelevant of the fact that we actually won the game with um, Tony Cliff's goal, wasn't it? Um, That's right. It's just one of those great game, great, great grounds for a fan to go. It's a great city for a fan mm. to visit. Annoyingly, it's a Tuesday night again, but you know, neither will nor there. It's, it was one of those in the pandemic where you thought, oh, I really want to go to the football tonight. Yeah, it's one of those standout fixtures for me, uh, just because of uh, you know Forest history. Um, well, we have got. You know, history of the forest, haven't we? Yeah. You know, yeah. Little Wembley games against them. Yeah. We, you know, the 59 Cup 59 final. 59 Cup final as well, of course. Um, and, yeah. you know, but both sides like to play football. As QPR do as well. Um, yeah, I must I, admit, I, I, I am. I'm hoping they'll be I too do, good I games. do admire Mark Warburton's sides. Yeah. They've always, they always play good football, which you're right. Uh, when we've just seen what we've seen against Stoke, the last thing we want is another fucking shit show like that, isn't it? It's, There's not too many teams like that in this division, though, is there? It's just, no, just uh, them and West Brom, largely, isn't it? Then which West is Brom ironic, and potentially every, Middlesbrough before... Every Stoke fan who replied to my um, tweet of the weekend told me to watch Stoke v West Brom. I said I'd rather watch paint dry and then chuck <laughs> more paint on the wall and watch it dry again than watch <laughs> to watch them two sides Christ Stoke's bad enough without putting West Brom on top of it and all yeah, yeah. but you know draw defeat win. Um, the good thing is we in, 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 in a way the Friday night game suddenly becomes a benefit yeah you get on the Tuesday bit of extra, night game doesn't it bit yeah. of extra recovery yeah I'd say two draws I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to get splinters in my asses <laughs> we're never draw We've always changed the habit of a lifetime, James. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think most people would have to would 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 happily accept that. We're not sure what uh, reception Andre Gray is going to get, Tony, but we can be pretty certain we know what reception James Collins is going to get in the following game yeah. when Cardiff come down here, or at least I hope we can be sure of what reception he's going to get. George Monker got it when he was warming up in front of Kenilworth End. Matty Pearson got it when he came back with Huddersfield. Uh, and uh, you know whether he starts or whether he's on the bench, James Collins is coming back for Cardiff. They're another manager, uh, sorry, another club who sacked their manager. Mm. Mick McCarthy went. Can't remember if they've appointed. Yeah, cr- they've appointed. Um, oh, I can't remember. Um, Nathan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> have they appointed someone? I can't remember. Uh, either way, they're going to have a new manager in place by the thirtieth of November. So, um, how do you see that one going? They're very. They're- a very physical team under McCarthy, weren't they? And the tough and no nonsense, and we did struggle against them. Um, but they they haven't had a great run. They've picked up the odd win, haven't they? Um, but I think we're more than capable of beating them, and uh, I'm going to go for a home win on that one. Yeah, how would you? How do you see that, James? Because they're another side that we've got absolutely bobbins from since we've come into this. Um, into this division it's it's kind of like um, 
well, you know, we're just not getting anything from it. Well, actually, well, I say there's not many teams that are horrible to play against. No, they, they are. are yeah, they definitely horrible. are. They've got a very big back line. And um, is it Sean Flint? Morrison. Aiden Flint. A- Aiden Flint always seems to come out uh, on top against Luton. But don't think he's had to face Adebayo yet. No, that is true. I mean, it was a TV game last year at our place, wasn't it? Um, yeah, he hasn't had Alan Campbell sniping at him. Exactly, yeah. When, when Ray, I think Ray scored and then Wilson equalised. Wilson's not there now, is he? He's at um, Fulham. Are you seeing it like Tony James? Are you seeing a home win there? <clears throat> it's certainly the easier of the four games on paper, not that this division applies any logic mm. to paper. Yeah, I, I, I just hope they don't get dragged into the same... Um, shit show that they got against Stoke and I'm confident they won't because you know we were talking about Nathan Jones earlier and praising him he does learn from these games now doesn't he so if they are going to play like that then I don't think Luton would react in the same way no that's right I think it's another game though that the first goal could we could do with getting it because you know you just do open up the time wasting and all the other rubbish if we don't get it so and then we go into December with probably the worst December trip that you could ever have Blackpool away uh, who are a downside better than a League One side judging by how they're doing yeah. this season um, another side that we've got history with under Nathan Jones obviously from the Blackpool uh, playoff yeah. defeat which still agonising still can't believe he brought Jordan Cook on and not Jonathan Smith to defend the lead but that's neither here nor there now um, tough game that one they're going well in fact I think they're above us in the table aren't they they are they are, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, when the fixtures come out, I was going, please make that away day in at August. the beginning or the end yeah, of yeah, the yeah. season. Nobody wants to go to Blackpool in December. Well, you can they? see the lights. Well, you can see the lights and you get frostbite as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not the warmest place in August, let alone in December. We no. did play them in December in the league that season, the, the playoffs as well, and it was just, we really don't need this. No, no. <laughs> It'll be a good weekend now, though, won't it? It's not bad ground for a sider, is it? We've got a good record up there, but yeah, they've been going great guns. Actually, they've had um, they've had everything that Luton didn't have when they got up, which was consistency of manager, consistency of keeping the same players. players yeah. Luton lost their probably two most potent players and the manager as well, and had to change manager. Um, so that probably contributed whereas they've had that consistency and they've gone up and just probably been just doing more of what they did in in league one to get up so um but that says to me that they're going to play football and i think they they have done in the past and they played football so uh that would be a very good tussle actually their manager is the uh, old Liverpool academy manager, isn't it, Critchley? So you don't you don't play long ball football in Liverpool's academy. So no, no they play very good stuff. Um, I saw them in the playoff final. And yeah, I did too. They they did look like a good football inside. And if you know, if you want to go toe to toe with Luton, um, yeah, we'll take you on. We'll, we'll take you on. Ultimately, they are still where you know for now they're above Luton in the league but ultimately they are a couple of seasons behind Luton in progression so if you want to do that against Luton you've got to be confident Luton have got the players that can uh, come out on top on that one so I would go for a win on that one and thankfully Mark Cullen's not there to score 
more goals against us than we've <laughs> done every other time we've played against them. It's Hartlepool now. Hartlepool yeah. now, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm going to go for a draw for that one. You must have known he was at Hartlepool. He scored against Stevenage however many times in the mm. Cup of the Weekend. Sorry, not against Stevenage, against Wickham mm. in the Cup of the Weekend. Surely he was following that game. According to you, mate, I'm old, so my memory... <laughs> <laughs> my memory hasn't been going too much better in this uh, podcast. Those Wilder, who I was thinking of as a new manager, but he's at Middlesbrough, isn't he, not Cardiff? Mm. Uh, so, the chaps are expecting... A decent end to these four games, but you know, a fairly tough start, and I think that's fair enough. You don't have to look at the league table to uh, to see what's happening, and, and obviously, don't judge Forest's league table position on how good they are because they were terrible for the first six weeks of it. Uh, we're going to finish this podcast uh, by looking, um, well, by celebrating really some good news that we had. We mentioned in the last podcast that there was a planning meeting going ahead at the council the week after. Uh, regarding the supporting sort of site at Power Court. And thankfully that was unanimously approved in one of the most boring and tedious <laughs> council yeah. meetings you've ever had to tune into, if indeed you did tune into it. But I'll happily tune into another, however many of them, if it gets the, the sort of same result. Uh, so we're one step closer to um, Power Court becoming a reality. Before I ask you guys your opinions on that, Justin Dearly asked Gary Sweet uh, for an update on... Um, power court and how it's progressing and everything at the meet the manager evening on monday and here's what he had to say so james power court 2024 if everything goes to plan sounds all right doesn't it yeah well considering we're just about to tick over into 2022 uh two years ago by in the blink of an eye really um so enjoy your time at Kenroth road um because i'm 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 confident they can get they can get that there. Um, I'm just really excited to look at the design now because the the meeting that was at the council was for everything but the stadium aspect of Power Court, um, which is stuff we'd heard before and we've talked about in this podcast before. So more housing. But there was a question, wasn't there, at that meeting regarding the stadium and Gary was very, very firm in that we'll, we will deliver. You know, they will deliver yeah. the plans to you in the future, but we will deliver this. It, we're not, yeah, we're, we're not here wasting anyone's time. Yeah, I do hear these sort of occasional murmurings of people saying they don't believe it, um, and it's often perhaps, and with some understanding, the older generation who have had countless um, opportunities for the stadium to move somewhere or countless Tony, campaigns. Tony, you mean. Just Tony, yeah, just Tony. <laughs> oh, well, <see. laughs> well, Okay, fair enough, I'll remember that. We've had 18 months without being able to take the piss face-to-face. Face. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're making up for it. <laughs> I, I can understand that, that they, they don't believe it's going to happen because it, you know, from when the, when this was first talked about, was it five, five years, years ago? Until when it finishes, nine, you know, if it does happen and you can get in there, 2024, it'll be nine years. It'll be a long time. I think that's right in my maths. Anyway. Yeah, I think if you will find a time, by the time <laughs> um, it opens and then we get in, it'll be near. So it's a long time, but these things, massive developments take time anyway, but you really do have to keep telling people that where that stadium is going to be is a derelict, toxic, 
shithole and it's been that way for 20 years well you don't need to tell people that anyone who's gone past it can see that but yeah yeah, you need to remind them it it is and also long developments like this don't have a bloody global pandemic for 18 months right smack bang in the middle or a shopping centre, bunch of mugs trying to slow yeah. the process. Well, that, Look, this this could have happened a long time ago if those idiots yeah, didn't we could pipe be in there up. Now. Yeah, yeah. So all these factors, the fact that it's still moving along the process, however slow that might be, and I understand that because planning is boring, the meeting was boring, the process is boring, but it's all the necessary stuff to get you to the place where you want to be, which is sat on a Saturday, 3 p.m., power court. I think the thing, Tony, that we took out, or that I took out of that meeting, was the positivity that the councillors. Yes, it was boring, but there was a positivity about the whole shebang. Whereas, if you think back to the last sort of public meeting, the one where the, the initial planning applications, the night prior to the Bradford City away game in League One, there was a lot more scrutiny, stroke doubt with the question in that came this time when the councillors made a comment or a question there was a positive vibe to it it's almost like they now know it's going to happen and they're now riding the sort of um escalator of planning procedure it's no longer a well, I don't know if we want this kind of thing. It's a we do want this. Now we're ticking off every single box as we go along. That, that's I, the benefit of uh, sorry, Kane, Just that's the benefit of the outline planning permission that was granted in nine, in twenty nineteen, and everything now is detail. So the fact that that happened then suggests it it's going to happen. Now it's just about doing the the good stuff, the nice I, stuff I, that makes I, it. Pretty. I see what you're saying there, James. However, um, with the, I think the the councillors overall have seen the benefits the long-term benefits to the town of having these new developments and having the prestige of having uh, a potentially top-flight club in the town. Um, Just about, and I loved that quote that Gary said, you know, we could be playing top-flight football within, you know, nine months. And I don't don't think, you know, even if we were in the Premier League, I'd I'd be hard-pushed to think of... uh, another club there that would have the transport links that we would have in terms of you know railway stations just off the motorway in the town centre and an airport right on our doorstep that's fantastic but one of the things I couldn't get over yes you're right it was a boring meeting and lots of it had been addressed I still couldn't believe some of the questions that were asked daft Daft questions. questions. Unbelievable. I mean, there was one about, one of the councils raised concerns about traffic, and I thought, the highways agency are fine with it, so what's your beef with it? Oh, yeah. You know, and what you just mentioned, through. the two train stations, is trying to reduce the traffic. On the busway as well. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I, 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 I was taken aback by that. And The one that got me was the Tory council that abstained from both votes on Power Court and Newlands Park, mm. complaining about he couldn't tell what road was what. Oh, yeah, I saw it's that. It's like, yeah. you've got a map there, mate. You know what I mean? And you get these papers two well, weeks in advance, mate. Yeah. All you need to, do you live in the town? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was left shaking my head when I, when I saw all that. And I, I, I thought Gary and Mike had, had great patience dealing with it. Um, I, yeah, I, I accept what they say about the council has the right to question, ask questions. But I thought, God almighty, you know. And um, I... <sighs> I, I see other c- comments from other supporters, right, and, and, and a bit on the negative side, you know, 
right? You know, they say, oh, oh it will never happen, whatever. Well, I think, you know, actually, wake up. Do you honestly think that um, the officers at our club would be spending so much time on and money on this if there wasn't a, a very real possibility of this happening? You know, come on, get a life, you know. And I mean, even with that, we've never come this far. No, no. And, and you, you look at it and, and delays have been called, as you, have been caused, as you said, Kev, because of, uh, a, a pandemic. And no matter what people think, COVID has put the mockers on a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, let's, um, let's just expand. It, it, let, let's just expand on that. The biggest thing that COVID has done is it's changed people's lifestyle habits. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So the so the plans that were put in place pre-pandemic, let's say the plans that were initially given planning approval in that meeting in 2019, let's just say for argument's sake, get bordered around shopping habits in person. Those shopping habits now, because we've had to be sat at home for 12 months, not being allowed out of the house, we're now shopping online an awful lot more and we've seen the, the benefits of that. So now... If there were uh, retail up at Newlands Park, that's now had to be changed because there's no longer that clamour for retail. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. It's not. It's not that the pandemic has caused any issues to the plans financially, as a knock-on effect, perhaps. But the, the the most the biggest difference that the pandemic has had is it's changed the way that you and I live our lives, and accordingly, it's going to change the way that you and I would have needs for uh, for Newlands Park and the surrounding area of Powercourt. But I, I, I've heard people say as well that uh, there must be something going on in the background because of the delays. Well, don't forget, when, you, when you're dealing with uh, not just a local authority, you're also dealing with government agencies here. And, and there was an old power, a power station there where they're looking at diverting the River Lee and opening it up. Things do change. And it, and, and I fully accept what, what Gary said. It, it, it's all circumstances that they can't control, you know. And I, I, I've even had somebody thought, well, look at Arsenal and look at Tottenham. They've had no problem getting theirs through. And it's the same with Everton. They've, they put in planning permission after us and they're going to get it built before us. I think the thing to know. Every situation is different. And some of these clubs haven't had the situation that we've had. They might have had full support from every stakeholder in the whole of their area and not built on a toxic dump. Yeah, and also, they've only built a football stadium. Yeah. yeah. And that's not what no. 2020 are building. 2020 exactly. building a gateway to Re- the town, regenerating the town. Park, and then they're building and, and, residential and, and, and all the areas that the town centre needs. And these if they were just building a football time. stadium, this would have been a piece of piss and probably all already up by now. But that's not the vision for Luton Town. Yeah. Their vision you, is to make you know it exceptional. That, um, talking to Gary Sweet and talking to David Wilkinson and whoever else at the club, if they'd have had their way, we'd have been playing in that stadium 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's what they want. It, it, it's not but just they, a fact that... They have had to you, buy that land, buy Newlands Park land, everything. Development takes so long time. They've had to get the strategy right and they've had to pay a longer... I mean, classic example, when we had... Uh, the the idiot come up from CNR when we at the High Town Club and he he sat there and he was giving it uh, well they don't own all the land and one of the best moments of the night was Gary said well actually we've just bought the rest of it off the council yeah. <laughs> yeah. and his face yeah. and this all had to be done sort of like cloak and dagger that was absolutely brilliant but you still have to go through it the proper way um, and as 
again, quite what Gary said the other night, we've waited so long for a new stadium, a little bit longer is not going to hurt. Yeah, sure, there, there are going to be supporters there that have waited so long for this, and they're not going to be there when the ground opens. But what we do then in that case is we make more of a celebration, we make more noise for them when it opens and we play our first game there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to sort of reiterate the, um, what, you know, the, the quote that we've just taken out of the meet the manager night there that we've played from Gary, I kind of cut the little bit afterwards because the audio wasn't the best. Don't hold him to account if he's not, if we're not in for 2024. We are going to be in power court, but you know, anything can change on a daily basis right now. The pandemic, believe it or not, is still happening. You know, if, if, if it's slightly more delayed to 2025, then so be it. But the, the good thing is, the positive thing is, by 2024, we're going to see the shoots of Power Court, aren't we? Exactly. Whether we're inside watching football or whether we've got to wait a few more months to see it completely built, we're going to see the shoots of it. But what I want to draw everyone's attention to, Tony, is the levels of detail that's going into this now if you read gary sweet's program notes i can't remember if it was before the whole game or the middlesbrough game but he, he mentioned during it that there were going to be 13 contractors yeah. at that game I was in different, mention in different corners to, of the yeah. ground so that they can see the ambience the atmosphere and and everything that's created arsenal and tottenham didn't do that because no. i've been to arsenal and I've been to louder libraries and I've been to Tottenham and I've been to louder funerals. It is not, this is not just simply put four stands up around a football pitch and watch a game of football taking place. The level of detail that's going into this and, and Gary, I've spoke, I spoke to Gary on Monday off the record, but I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, that the detail plans are going to take another four or five months to actually go through such is the level of detail in them. It's it's incredible the level of detail that we're going with. We're not just putting together a basic football stadium. I I can remember, you know, because of the position we were in with the trust, we've we've had to sign non-disclosure agreements, and I can remember um, having a meeting. Um, it was at the cricket club actually. With um, there was a few of us there with David Wilkinson and with Gary Sweet and, and they were showing us pictures and plots of areas of land and obviously we, we couldn't report on any of this but Gary asked us uh, all of us which which there's a few plots in land of Luton and around where we, we want and nobody was in favour of say something like the Junction 12 proposal that happened before and there was a couple of us I, I, and, and I'm no, no bullshit I, I, I was one of them and they said what do you think would be the perfect site for a football ground? It was a power court, power court. Going, and then we've, we've been asked and, and it was very evident from the start that we felt, and they certainly felt we didn't want a concrete bowl. We wanted a, uh, a similar stadium. I remember saying to Gary that one of the beauties of Kenilworth Road is that we're right up on top of the pitch. It's intimidating for other teams to come there. And you look at the players that have signed from us, who've played for other clubs, they all say the same thing. It's very intimidating. And that's what we wanted. And and these consultants that they've got coming in, and they, they, he said they're there, they're looking at what happens on the match day because they want to 
they want to take the Kenilworth Road experience to Power Court, albeit on a grander scale and in a better way. Um, I mean, I know things have had to change, like they were going to build a stadium on the podium so that even they thought, you know, when you approach Kenilworth Road, you have to walk up to it. That was the idea behind the podium, but obviously that's had to change. But they still want that. They still want it to be an intimidating place, not just for the other team to come, but their supporters to come as well. Um, they want that atmosphere. They want to re- reproduce the Tuesday night experience when everybody gets behind. And I can't wait. It'll be, you know, the atmosphere we've got at Kenilworth Road on a Tuesday night is fantastic. But can you imagine that with the extra thousands of people that we get in there? I, 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 I'm excited about it. And I think it's a great time to be a Luton supporter. Yes, it's testing our patience. It is, you know. And it, 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 we shouldn't be taking our frustrations out on the club in 2020 because they're doing it as quickly as they can. It's not them that's dragging their feet. It, it's the powers that be that are around that, that they've got to work with. And I, I, I think, you know, you look back on things and, and, and you, you, you look at things like the Stoke result and whatever... In the grand scheme of things, it's nothing. The bigger fight and, and, and the bigger battle we've got is power court and getting on. And I think the time will come where we will see, if it goes according to plan, we will see what's happening now with top Premier League clubs. Where you, you, It doesn't happen so much in Luton now, but you go to other, to other places. They've got no connection with Manchester or Liverpool and you see kids wearing their tops. I'm hopeful and I, I, I can see it coming one day when we'll see kids in other towns wearing Luton shirts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, in his programme notes, Gary Sweet said, forks in the ground next year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a promising thing. As soon as anyone sees that, they're all going to see that it's going to happen. But just the level of detail, I mean, I think Nathan Jones mentioned in one of your press conferences that he's involved in certain aspects of it as well to make sure that the whole experience is good for everyone who goes to Power Court. This isn't just a football ground we're creating. It's an experience that we're creating. And that takes a little bit of time. They're going to change the face of Luton Town Centre, basically. And I'm all for it. It's in my neighbourhood. So I absolutely can't wait. The level of detail that they're going to to try and make this right for everybody. It won't have, you won't have the connection you've got to Kenilworth Road now. They can't recreate that. That's a 116 year old ground of memories. But everything else, the atmosphere, the match day experience, the way it works for players and the team and the manager, fans, away fans, the town as a whole, the level of detail that they're putting into that just to me sounds phenomenal um i mean i, I i'm not uh, into the weeds of many uh, well none none of no football stadium development but that says to me that they are doing everything they can possibly do to make that transition to a new ground something that really really captures the imagination of people yeah, yeah, yeah i was at um, right. i was at the Olympic Stadium at the weekend. Um, I got a, a mate who got me into the hospitality for the West Ham Liverpool game, um, and there was eruptions with, with the. At least West. you saw one good game of football at the weekend. <laughs> exactly. There were eruptions, weren't there, with the West Ham fans when they first moved in? They hated it. They love it now, but don't they? They love it now. And do you know why that is? Because they're winning. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. basically. So if the results are up there, then 
then the transition will be lovely and smooth anyway. So. I think it's, um, you know, supporters have got to look and, 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 and ask themselves, do they want it right? Do they want to get it right? Or do they want to see something like the Rico? Well, you or, only get one. Derby Stadium out in an industrial estate yeah. out somewhere where you go and it's a soulless bulb. You only get one shot at this, don't Redding's you? Reading's another one, you know? Absolutely, Reading. Yeah. They need a drum, don't they? Yeah. You only get one <laughs> shot at this, don't you? You can't bring it down again and then put it back up again. You... Well, you've just got to think of the, the ground now is 116 years old. What is uh, the couple of years it's taken? Five years so far. Um, potentially nine years until don't, you're don't, in there. I think the last game at Kenilworth Road, I, it, it will be, I think it will be heartbreaking. I, you know, we've had some great times there. And it'll I'll be, be like when West Ham left yeah. Upton Park, yeah. it, to build yeah. on what James just said. I mean, yeah. that was an incredible night for a West Ham fan. I know many, I'm sure you do as well. You know, they didn't want to leave that night they made it the spectacular thing and yeah there was a bit of cheesing amongst it but it was relevant to them so who are we to criticise and it'll be the same with Kenilworth Road um, but you know I just everything that we've heard over the last two three weeks from uh, Gary and Mick uh, Moran at the planning meeting Gary's programme notes ahead of whichever game it was Middlesbrough or Hull and Gary at, to meet the manager on Monday night this is moving forward. Yes, it's not moving forward at a pace that anyone wants, but it's moving forward at a pace that fits in with what everything is yeah. is happening. And we just... I, I think a lot of it's down to people that don't understand planning. Yeah, and I do I've too. been in a lot of planning meetings, unfortunately, and they, it is slow, unfortunately. Is. And whatever you want to say, you can say it's not happening quick enough, but they got that planning permission. They got the outline planning permission and then the pandemic hit. That didn't help. But the thing is, every step is a step closer to it happening. We're not going backwards now. Every step with regards to the council is a step closer to fruition. And now we've got a date. Yes, don't hold Gary to that date. Anything can happen. We could still, you know, feel more effects of the pandemic. Habits could change between now and 2024. But at some point next year, we're going to see developments start to be built. As soon as you start to see it, then mm. I think those you people that are then. complaining that it will never happen will start to melt away. Because you need something tangible to to see for most people, to see that something's happening. Because otherwise, it's just words in a meeting, which most people are going to sleep in because it's boring. But, you know, the minute that happens, the, the whole... Uh, uh, feeling around it, the atmosphere around it will will change into one of op- optimism, wholesale optimism. But in the meantime, until good, we see those, yeah, absolutely. Until until we see those forks and spades in the ground, there's still reason to be positive. We are still moving forward. Everything is still getting closer. We now have a date. Whether we can hold Gary to it or not, we have a date. And even if he misses that date, it, it, the, the, the date beyond that date isn't exactly long is, away. It, it's mm. not in Gary's gift to um, determine it so if it does slip it's not his fault <laughs> no exactly but if you know if he says 2024 and it's 2025 like james said we're about to move into 2022 it's only three years we've come 50 60 years to this date so we can wait we, we can wait that long but you know and it also just gives the club three more years to establish itself two years more to establish itself so that when we go there we go there on a this upward curve that we're still going. So everything's positive with regards to power court, 
uh, we will I promise you we will get Gary on the podcast to um, outlay any fears and answer any questions and everything else but we're not going to do that until the new year because he outlaid to me after the planning meeting the importance of the detail plans for Power Court, which is next. There's a date that they have to be done by, yeah. and he's going to be working around the clock to get that done. And on this podcast, we're not going to get involved in delaying that. That's not what we mm. do. More than happy to relay the information that is out there, explain it in the ways that we see it. Um, but rest assured, he has committed, Gary has committed to doing a podcast, but let's get these designs and plans and everything in place so that they, that fork can go in the ground, and then we'll get him on here and we'll celebrate uh, what will be a man- momentous occasion for the football club and for the town. R- remember also yeah. the words that he said publicly about what is coming ahead. The, the next meeting where they submit those plans and you see them, he said it's unique and it's a masterpiece. <laughs> they are big words. So you should be excited about that. I am. That's a pretty good place to uh, to leave it as far as I'm concerned. Chaps, it's been absolutely fantastic to be in your presence again. There's uh, yeah, there's only um, so many Zoom calls that I can get involved <laughs> in these days. It's uh, doing my nutting. So, it's good um, to, it is actually good to see, um, to be together uh, again, despite you both being extremely unattractive. And yeah, <laughs> nothing's changed in that regard. There's a lot that's changed in the world since we were all together, but that certainly hasn't changed. Uh, just one date for your diaries. If you're a trust member, the AGM, which is taking place on Zoom, so I'll have to do one more Zoom call. Mm. It is taking place on Zoom on Tuesday, the 30th of November, uh, 7 o'clock start. Uh, members have had all of their information sent to them by email or by post. Uh, a new board will be appointed that night. We'll also have town physio Simon Parcell on the call. So I'll do a Q&A with him. And anyone who attends the AGM online will get their chance to put their question through to one of the more popular members of the staff who doesn't get the praise that he should do, but will certainly uh, make a fuss of him that night. Um, and until then, well, we're going to be back uh, the second week of December. I'm hoping to get a podcast before the QPR game. Hopefully, if it's a player, I won't curse that player and he'll have a great game against QPR. QPR, which we've not mentioned actually, QPR have changed their game with us to Prostate Cancer Awareness Night, uh, which is an absolutely fantastic Good. cause. Good. Uh, just on that as well, if you missed the announcement, the Beds Prostate Cancer Support Group is the charity, supporters charity of the year this season. They're a fantastic bunch. We urge you to get behind them if you can. We'll, we'll raise lots of money for them at our event. The club, 61 people at the club are doing Prostate United, running 3, 5 or 10k uh, to get behind Mick. It's a fantastic cause. Every day, isn't it? Every single day day. in November, um, which is a fantastic cause. I can just about do 3, 5 or 10 metres, not (laughs) let alone kilometres. They're raising copious amounts of money and getting right behind me it just shows the togetherness of this club again if you can donate that's all across the Luton socials uh, for your link there as well uh, gents until December thanks for uh, thanks for your company thanks to everyone for listening do like do subscribe do review we're always taking on board any criticism uh, I'll pass the, I'll keep the praise and the criticism can go to the other two um, but if you also in order to get any future podcasts if you subscribe they'll just hit you with a notification as soon as they drop so um, yeah the other thing to thank is uh, our hosts the Hightown Club 
um, for putting us up and we'll see you all again in December yeah, cheers stay safe everyone Thanks, boys.